and welcome back to another episode of That's That on That with Emma Lux. We have our next guest for this week, and it is my brother, Simon. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Emma and uh, listenership. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Thanks for coming, Simon. My pleasure, my pleasure. With, you excited uh, to you... be here? I am excited to be here. He won't admit it, but um, I think he secretly has been wanting to be a guest from day one. So Not secretly. I think I have been the number one fan of That's That on That podcast. Um, if I remember correctly, I helped um, you know give some feedback on the name early on. That's true. That's true. You were involved in the early process. So. This is me paying you back, uh, giving you an episode to yourself. Happy to be here. Okay, so um, before we even start anything, we have to start off with one question, which is very unconventional because you know how we usually start off our episodes, but I have to start off with this question so we just get it out in the open, in the public, so people understand. So um, our first question is from a past guest, Elise. Um, She asks, does Emma have a nickname like the brothers do? So... Emma calls all of her brothers um, different names. All, many of her family members also, but all of her brothers have different <laughs> names. Um, my oldest brother is Marquise. Close. Um, it's, it's Marquise. It's only, oh, Marquise. Quise. I'm sorry I pronounced <laughs> that wrong, Marcus. Marquise. Ethan is uh, Eton or yes, something like that. Eton. And uh, I'm uh, Simone. Yes. Um, so yes, I am Simone, um, for those that know me as Simone. And... <laughs> I think we we call Emma M. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Emma Lux sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, not something with such a uh, heavy uh, accent as yeah. <laughs> you know the the nicknames we have gotten from her flair sparkle, if you will. Basically, the backstory to that is I'm pretty sure I started it in like the seventh or eighth grade or something. I don't know why. I just decided mm-hmm. that like I needed to spice it up, and you all deserved you know fun nicknames. And from my memory, I remember you not liking it at first. I remember you being pretty against it. And you saying that you were going to call me a, a nickname that I wouldn't like. Um, and I'm pretty sure you started off with Ema. With Ema? Yeah, you, you started with Ema. That means mom. Exactly. You quickly realized that it was mother in Hebrew. So that didn't oh. really work out well. Um, I don't have that memory, but if you say so, I'll, I'll trust you. Yeah, that didn't, didn't stick. So it didn't work out well. So if, I, if you hear me call him Simon or Simone... Um, that's what's going on. He's interchangeably. That's that on that. That's that on that. All right. Now back to our regular programming. The way we start off every podcast is with our first impressions. So Simone, take it away. Wow. I do have to say this was the biggest anxiety producing question as I prepared for this show. (laughs) Granted, it's the only one that I knew that was coming. Right. Um, I, you know, first memory um of you being my sister um i can't, can't say i have like big memories of like you coming home from the hospital or anything like that like that, I said that, that would be that would be quite fake and a lie <laughs> i remember like dropping you off at preschool right like kind of big like uh you know family drives in the minivan dropping mm-hmm. off at preschool then to mm-hmm. probably bring us to elementary school or something Love that. um i remember those but you've always been from my like memory i think um previous shows people have commented on this of like the um, you know, very extrovert, bubbly, friendly person, Luxembourg, that is, friendly Luxembourg, the one who's mm-hmm. going and making friends with others, running off in the playground and making new friends. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll leave it at that. Awesome, awesome. This is my answer to the question. I'm pretty sure one of my earliest memories is, um, I think I was in kindergarten, 
and Simon was in the fourth grade and so was Ethan because they're twins and I remember that day was like a half day or something so our recess was at the same time as the fourth graders and it was like a big deal to me because I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna see my brothers at recess like this is gonna be a big deal and so I get out there and I'm like with all my friends and I'm like guys guys watch this <laughs> I walk up to Ethan and Simon and I'm like Ethan Simon like I'm here I'm like I'm ready to play with you like let's let's play <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they were just like hi Em and like tapped me on the head and walked away <laughs> And they went to go play, like, kickball or something. And I just, like, turned around to my friends and I was like, see, my brothers are cool. <laughs> well, I I feel bad that now, 15 years later, we're unpacking this. No, yeah. Um, I never, you know, I, I always wanted to be there for my sister. And that was, you know, <laughs> that was not the case when I was, uh, what, 10 years old. I, yeah. I deeply apologize. Yeah. Um, uh, can I make it up to you? I think, honestly, this is just, like, a suppressed memory. That I, like, uh, suppressed. Okay, this so is, it's coming this, out right, right now. Right, right. Like, it's I haven't really, truly unpacked this, but um, maybe we'll talk about this after the podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. I do want to say another great memory that I have with you, Emma, um, is growing up for a long time, you were always the musical, you know, performing one. Mm-hmm. Right? We've kind of, a you know, musical uh, family overall, but... You know, singing, dancing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember in our addition to our house that we built, mm-hmm. sometimes you and I would have like performances where You're we would so challenge right. each other You're against so right. one another. Um, we would have to make the whole family come and we, you know, and, and uh, you know, perform. Um, and you know, so you would, right. you were performing real talent, and I would, I think I was performing some great raw <laughs> talent. Um, I didn't usually take home as many crowns as I had thought I deserved. I think yeah. it's honestly because you were younger and people, you know, um, felt, felt like that. they needed to. Right. Yeah, yeah, they needed to, you know, um, give you some, you know, bump in the votes. Yeah. Um, You're so but, right. Uh, I forgot about that. I will say that each of my brothers and my sister as well, each have their own sort of obviously different relationship with me and different things that like we connect with or do. And I think Simon is one of the most spontaneous of my siblings. So like when we were little, we would always do this like, we'd have like a random idea for like some sort of thing we're going to do or some sort of craft we're going to do or some sort of like grand plan. Like I remember when we were little, we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to save up for golf carts and we're going to get golf carts. (laughs) For some reason we thought we needed golf carts on our like half acre of land. We probably (laughs) did. And so we, we started like designing what it would look like, what color it'd be, what we'd name it. Like it was a whole thing. So going along the same line of like growing up and stuff, um, our next question is from my dear friend Gabe. He asks, what was it like growing up with Emma? Also, hi, Emma. Hi, Gabe. Wow. Hi, Gabe. Um, Thank you for the question. Um, growing up with Emma, I was always, you know, she talked a little bit about being spontaneous right before this. Um, it was always a new adventure, a new thing. Um, you know, I think Emma's fun. I think Emma's exciting. I think Emma, um, you know, while being the youngest sibling, um, you know, kept us on our toes, kept us active, kept us, you know, um, learning and doing new things. Um, you know, Emma, I, I thought I was kind of busy in high school and things like that. I think Emma was even like more busy in high school, <laughs> right? Um, granted, by the time that she was really in high school, we were out of the house. We'd been in, in uh, you know, we were in college by then. But even these practices were developing in middle school, you know, being in the entertainers, being in, you know, so many different dance classes, things like that. Um, it was a pleasure. 
And it's not over. We're still growing up. Right. You're so right. Our next answer is actually along the same lines. Um, It is from my friend Ian. And he says, what is it like having such an amazing sister? Also, please spill the tea about her embarrassing memories. Wow. 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 Well, my sister's pretty great. You know, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I'm honored to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't want to be a politician and kind of put my talking points in. I want to answer your question yes, again. Yes, please do. So, <laughs> um, so Emma, uh, growing up with her, you know, that was the question, right? No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. What's it like? Embarrassing stories. <laughs> Having an amazing sister is really, really a pleasure. We get inspiration from her from all the things that she's doing, whether it's um, you know, if you don't know this, she's volunteering to be a poll worker. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, so dedicated to all of her studies and all her performances and all of that. Um, and it's, you know, definitely a pleasure. Embarrassing stories about Emma. Wow. Yeah. I don't remember too, too many embarrassing stories. Um, I have a story or two of how I tried to embarrass her. You know, we always, whenever we were at Emma's performances, would scream like, you know, Emma Luxembourg and things like that. Or like sometimes when she'd have some singing solos and things that... Um, different, you know, uh, concerts, whatever. Like, yeah, Emma! Right. right? So when you have, like, you, when you grow up and have three older brothers, right? You're going to hear um, it. It's inevitable to have, you know, some people heckling you, both good and bad. Um, you know, we're always there. Um, yeah. I will say that that is the truth because a lot of videos of my performances, you know, people usually started a few seconds before the lights go up or, like, a few seconds before the curtain opens. And I'm pretty sure almost every time that Simon's there, um, like the last person before the music starts, that like awkward pause, like when you can feel the tension in the room, the height of the moment, Simon breaks it and goes, yeah, Emma! <laughs> it's so funny. Majority Ooh. of the time, yeah. Rep her up, you know? Yeah, gotta hype Also, up. I think there's a few times, probably volleyball games that got really into it. I didn't right. get to go to enough of your volleyball, you know, enough as I had wished because... I was at college, but every once in a while I'd be able to come home for them. And, you know, when those refs had a bad call, I let them know. Oh, you let them know. You know, ref, that's a double touch. Come on, you can't do that. Right, right. right. Things like that. Yeah. And really, you know, really letting the ref I know. Because I was an advocate for my sister. Yeah. On and I, off the court. I appreciate that. You know what? And that brings us perfectly into our next question, which is from Caitlin. And she asks, um, it's actually a question for both of us. She asks, so for Simon, what makes Emma a good sister? And for Emma... What makes Simone a good brother? Okay. So what makes Emma a great sister um, is, you know, by being the youngest um, sibling um, and the one that's still around in, you know, in the house with my parents. Um, my parents are great, but, you know, that comes with it comes with a package. <laughs> um, right. She's she's a peacemaker. Right. She keeps us in line. She keeps, a, you know, um, in kind of the communication flowing throughout the family, things like that. I would say that's a real, real asset that Emma brings to, uh, you know, our brother-sister relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel, you know, when I'm home um, in Connecticut, which isn't frequently, but I'm home in Connecticut, I get to, ex- you know, explore with Emma. And I really think that some of the memories I have with Emma when I have explored with her, whether that's, you know, in Israel um, or, you know, when she came and visited me in Boston, some of those memories I think are really great memories. Um, one day, I hope to, you know, get the opportunity to travel the world with Emma. You know, maybe I can take her on one of my backpacking trips to Thailand or Vietnam. Oh my or something God, like that. yes. Because uh, I think Emma in Thailand or Vietnam with me would be a heck of a lot of fun. Um, I can, you know, already imagine all the fun things that we would do um, in Asia together. 
Um, and you know, we could go to we could go to Europe and some of those other places, but I think I'm yeah, gonna we throw a stop to Europe. Um, you know, could could really kill it out there. Um, really, what would make it fun is cause like. Oh, a few of my trips. My last one, actually, I got, bought a GoPro. I was traveling with my twin brother, Ethan, yeah. actually. And we told her, we, I told myself, like, you know, I'm going to film this. You know, it's going to be fun, and we're going to film this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we have lots of great footage. We never actually made anything of it. I think <laughs> Emma actually would keep me accountable, would make sure that we you know, vlog every day or yeah. whatever, right? And then we would actually turn it into something. Right. Um, and I wouldn't just be tons of photos and videos on a memory card. And while that is good, because you can still access it and remember what, you know, what went down, um, Gotta you know, make at some something point in this, uh, yeah, in the social media, you know, mm-hmm. world, um, sharing what we have is, you know, part part right. of the gig. Okay, yeah. So my answer: What makes Simone a good brother? I think um, with a lot of older sibling, oh, me being the youngest of five, naturally I look up to all of my siblings, um, but I really do look up to Simone a lot because um, one, I feel like, and this is sort of a been a common thread in a lot of these episodes, but like. I really respect people that lead with passion and sort of like follow what they want to do in the world and where they want to make a difference. And I think Simon is like the epitome of that, dictionary definition of that. You know, I think that everything he does, he does with passion. He does because he wants to do it, not because somebody else thinks he should be doing it or his resume thinks he should be doing it or whatever it may be. Um, And I look up to him a lot because of that. Also, what makes him a good brother is um, because I think throughout our childhood, um, obviously we're Jewish, and so like Judaism has been a common thread in our childhood and and beyond. And I've really admired how Simon has been able to um, evolve in his interpretation and how he chooses to practice Judaism and how he makes it like a key part of not only his values but like his routine and his his identity um, and his young adult life. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you, Emma. That means a lot for me to hear. Yeah. Um, the more I uh, hear your answers, the more I feel there's a little bias in this in this uh, podcast because you get these questions beforehand. You get to work on your beautifully crafted answers. You're, you're right. And I you're just, right. I feel bad that I'm not able to so eloquently put together my my thoughts about how <laughs> you know how much you mean to me. No worries. <laughs> Another thing that makes Simon a really great brother is that. Um, He will be more than willing to drop anything to help you in a time of need. Um, A lot of times, like, when I need him to help me with a Hillel situation or, like, answer a question for me for homework or, you know, all these different things, um, I know that if I call him, he will be willing to help and more than ready to, you know, answer a phone call. Um, And I think some of my best memories of him, you know, paving the way to make the most for me is, is, like, when I was in Israel, we were in Israel for the same summer at one point, um, summer of 2017. I was on seminar, um, which was through, you know, the sleepaway camp that we all went to when we were kids. And um, I was there for about a month and a half while he was there for his internship for the whole summer. And part of the program was that they had this Hoshabat, right? And so everybody sort of found like a family member or a, a family friend or thing along those lines that could host them for that weekend. And luckily, um, Simon was in Israel during that summer, so I was able to have host Shabbat with Simone, and still to this day, and I, I gladly say this with no hesitation, it's probably one of the best weekends of my life, truly. Um, I think about it often, honestly. 
Um, not just the food and the adventures, but just the memories that we were able to make that weekend. And honestly, we grew closer after that weekend because, you know, Israel is obviously very special to you and it was very special to me. Um, And so my first time being in Israel and my first, you know, weekend away from the program being with you was was awesome. And that will always have a special place in my heart. I mean, our time in Israel on Hoshabat was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I, uh, hope that no one's, you know, listening to this from the Ramah world and, you know, checking the facts of sorts, <laughs> but granted, you know, there are many different, um, protocols and, you know, regulations and, you know, policies that are supposed to be practiced during the host Shabbat weekend. We broke a few. First of all, um, the host is supposed to be, I believe, 25 years old. Um, <laughs> if I remember correctly, well, friends, if you're doing the math here, um, I was interning in college. Let's just say that much. You were 21, um, 22, no, 20. <laughs> 21, 21. I was 21. On the, uh, the host Shabbat weekend, you're also not supposed to, uh, take any, um, public transportation. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a car. So what were we supposed to do? <laughs> um, we also, that, we also went into morning, Jerusalem. That, that morning, that morning we, I uh, picked up Emma, um, <laughs> And, you know, all is good. I got her. She's my sister. We're going, you know, we're free. free um, and so we go back to my apartment. We drop her stuff and we sit around for a few minutes. But I'm like, OK, let's go make the most of the day. And we go into um, into town and we start going to the old city. Um, and as we do this, I let Emma know. I'm very, I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. I say, Emma, I just want to let you know um, that earlier this morning, there's a pigua or a, a terrorist attack in the old city. Mm-hmm. Um, while, you know, I've been living in Israel at that point for, I don't know, six, seven months or something. This is still almost, you know, a few first few weeks there. She's, you know, live, is part of a group, doesn't necessarily have the same level of independence that I had at that point in Israel. I said, you know, while we, we said that we were going to go to the Kotel, you know, the, one of the holiest spots in, this, in, um, in Judaism, um, the Western wall that is, um, while we said we're going to do that, if you're not comfortable doing that anymore, by all means, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. And Emma thought about it and she was like, let's do it. And keeping I was like, okay, mind, we're doing this thing. Keeping in mind that it wasn't just Sivone telling me like, hmm, like, you know, like consider it. Maybe it's not like whatever. The American government emailed Sivone because like they have on record, I guess, that he was in Israel saying, don't go into the old city today. Like the American mm, government yeah. is telling you please don't go into the old city not in like all these articles he was pulling up for me to read like to make sure i was making an informed decision i was like yes why not (laughs) the american government did um you know issue a travel warning or advisory or whatever the level is i don't know it exactly um warning american citizens not to go into the old city that day because of what happened that morning and that there may be more conflict and more violence etc etc um but as Emma said, I did. Uh, I was transparent from the from the get go, and we went in. And we had a great time, um, and then we went back out, and we got to, went to the market to the Shuk Machne Yehuda, one of the kind of outdoor open air markets. Where we bought lots of food, went back, cooked a beautiful Shabbat dinner mm-hmm. um, without, a then, without a stove. Without a stove, she was quite concerned that we weren't going to be able to cook without a stove. But <laughs> but we cooked a beautiful meal, um, and then ultimately we. Um, you know, went to bed that night, um, woke up the next morning. Emma, I think, slept till like 1 p.m., which was great. I was like I taking totally all did. your uh, totally taking did. all your hours. We should always listen to the warnings of our security professionals and our, you know, diplomatic professionals. But um, 
We were it was rebels. Fun nonetheless. Hashem pulled us into that city. We just had to answer his call and, you know, amazing. go amazing, to the hotel. All right. So transitioning a little bit, um, we're going to talk about more of less of like our childhood, but more of like you going mm. into your young adult life and how that looks for you. So our next question um, is from Aiden um, and she asks, where did he go to college and what did he major in? And why? Wow, great. Thanks, Aiden, for that question. I went to Connecticut College, Go Camels, Go Camels. Um, which is a small liberal arts college in New London, Connecticut, part of the NESCAC um, kind of conglomerate of schools. At Con, I majored in international relations, um, double minored in economics and Jewish studies, and got a certificate in um, international studies and the liberal arts. Mm. Um, I studied abroad in uh, at Hebrew University in Jerusalem and Israel, um, and did a few a variety of other kind of fun, meaningful um, academic things in my time. So you know, if you ask me today why I ended up at Connecticut College, right, I would tell you I was you know highly convinced from my um, parents, specifically my father, um, to attend a small liberal arts college. I was you know would get an intimate educational experience, be in small classes, be able to you know work closely with my professors, get gain mentorship, be, you know, active on campus, have lots of leadership roles, things like that. If I did the you know, the college search again, would I would I end up at Khan again? I'm not so sure. Um, you know, anything's possible. Um, but I think there's, you know, a whole world of opportunities out there for eighteen year olds as they apply to college. Uh, actually they're more like seventeen when they're doing it. Um and it's can sometimes be very confusing, right? You're hearing all these different voices. People are pushing you in that one direction or the other direction, or you know, go this way because you're going to get better education, or go that way because you're going to better student life. Um, it, you know, it's very, very hard and confusing. So if you're listening to this, nonetheless, and you're a senior, you know, zoom out a little bit and remember that, um, you know, while college is an important stage in the life, it's not the uh, end all and do all. Um, so right. I I studied international relations. Um, for a few reasons. First, I went to college. One of the things I definitely thought I was going to do was, you know, the, the pre-law route, you know, keep law school open. That's what everyone tells you, or keep law school open, right? Um, needless to say, I've never actually met a lawyer that was happy with their job. Um, <laughs> so, whatever, law school's not on the route anymore, I can tell you that much. Um, but international relations was fun. I learned about, um, you know, different communities of the world. Um, and IR at Khan is very interdisciplinary, right? You're taking um, classes in the government um, department, but you're also taking them in, you know, economics or religious studies or, you know, other many of the other departments of the, of the campus. And such an interdisciplinary major was what I really wanted out of my education to, to take a whole array of things and go from there. Um, my focus in college um, was on security studies. Um, my th- kind of senior year thesis that I wrote um, was a analysis of Israeli counterinsurgency policies and practices towards the Palestinians from 1985 to uh, 2016. It's a bit of a mouthful. Fun. And I landed on that because I found those those pieces, security studies, international relations, to be quite um, interesting. And also, I studied abroad in Israel, so it was always helpful to write something about um, an experience that you've had. I think another thing that I learned a lot from Simon, um, sort of living through his experiences, is um, you know being this uh, this concept of being Jewish on campus um, is not always the easiest thing, um, and so being able to see him uh, be 
active in Jewish studies uh, academically, but also be involved with Hillel, eventually becoming the president of his Hillel. So being able to see him experience and the goods and the bads, the ups and downs of being Jewish on campus, um, I've been able to take in, take with me and my experience being at Wagner and obviously also being Jewish on campus. And if you wouldn't mind um, elaborating a little more on your experience, you know, with not only studying Jewish studies academically, but also being involved in Jewish life on campus and how that was in your experience as a student. For sure. Um, you know, being active in Jewish life on campus was the highlight of my college career, undoubtedly. Um, I walked into Connecticut College knowing that there was a Hillel um, and knowing that it was, you know, newer and smaller and had lots of, you know, potential for growth, um, but not really knowing what my involvement was going to be. Um, you know, it's the bid. Do I get involved in club sports? Do I get involved in Jewish life? You know, they're all kind of me at the same time. You, you know, you can't kind of do everything. Um, and I quickly became the freshman representative, the first year representative on the executive board um, and got more and more involved. Um, and then ultimately in my sophomore year of college was the president of, um, of Hillel. Boom. Um, you rose boom. right up there. <laughs> rose right up. Um, you know, I think that I, as I recall the story to many people, I think, you know, I was had a little bit of a naivete, if you will. <laughs> um, and, you know, someone said, hey, you want to be the president? I was like, sure, make me president. What does that really even mean? No one told me until, uh, you know, things got tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was great, you know, I really enjoyed being, um, you know, Jewish on, uh, you know, on college campus. Uh, I was going to be Jewish on college campus no matter what, but being yeah. active <laughs> in Jewish life on college, on my college campus at Khan. Um, a lot of things went down when I was, uh, you know, a student at Khan in terms of Jewish life. Um, you know, the Israel conversation, which can sometimes, um, you know, run amok, if you will, on, uh, on campus. Um, you know, was quite prevalent at Khan. Um, my starting my spring of my freshman year, um, starting the spring of my freshman year, we, you know, this conversation was brought on by students accusing a professor of being racist, um, a Jewish professor. Um, lots of literature out there on the web to learn more if you're interested. Um, but these things, you know, inevitably when you know Israel on campus. Um, or things about a Jewish professor happen on campus, they all go back at some point to Hillel. Um, and Hillel, right, um, while that is the established Jewish organization on the campus, um, you know, and many institutions and definitely at Khan, um, it by no means speaks for all students. Um, and I, as president, had to navigate going back and forth of, you know, what do we say? What do we not say? What do we do when these things are happening? Um, Right when big posters are put up around campus, um, you know, calling Zionism, you know, colonialism, and all of these things, how do we respond? Right when um, you know, mock eviction notices go up around campus during finals. Yeah, that was um, you know, really targeting the um, you know the sense of safety and security of Jewish students while they're while they're studying for their finals. How do you respond? Um, you know, at what point do you get? Uh, the media involved? At what point do you get donors involved? At mm -hmm. what point do you get lawyers involved? These are big questions to be considering, right. right? No one went to college to be, you know, talking to the media about, you know, portraying these things on campus. Mm -hmm. But if that's what needs to happen in order for administration to open their door and listen to you, maybe that's the means to, the, to you know, the, the end. Right. Um, maybe those things match. And I think that goes to show that while it can... 
it cannot be the easiest being Jewish on campus. Um, there's also lots of opportunity and lots of promise when you, you know, make the most of it and make, um, you know, meaningful programming, especially through Hillel. Exactly. And again, so many leadership lessons, you know, really great times. Highly recommended to everyone, actually. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're from Wagner, come to Wagner Hillel events. Come to Wagner Hillel events. Okay. Um, so now we're going to transition a little more to your life right now, um, out of college, being a young adult in the real world. <laughs> That line is not now, when. You're so right. You know, listeners, like I said at the beginning, Emma's the singing one, but tell me if you think that was a good uh, vocals. Okay, back to you. Moving forward. First question in this section is from Aiden um, again, and she says, what are all these jobs you have? What are these four jobs Emma speaks of? So how about you let us know? um, what 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 are you doing these days? Wow, thank you for the question. I'm doing a few different things. First of all, I'm a graduate student. I attend the Hornstein Jewish Professional Leadership Program at Brandeis University, um, where I'm getting my MBA, my Master's in Business Administration, um, with a focus on nonprofit administration, nonprofit leadership, and um, social impact. And I'm also getting my master's in Jewish professional leadership, um, again, at Brandeis. So two master's degrees at Brandeis. That's one thing. Through <laughs> my, <part> one. <laughs> um, through my work at Hornstein, which is the name of the program, through my you know my learning, um, I'm doing two fieldwork positions. I have done. I'm engaged in two fieldwork positions. One is um, at Gan Academy, which is a Jewish pluralistic high school um, in the Boston area. Um, there I do a whole variety of different things, um, applying my, my coursework into practice or putting the, really the theory to practice, um, helping out in the admissions department, helping out in the student life department, helping out in um, the financial side of the operation. All of that has really been an eye-opening experience um, and really and a really amazing opportunity that I've had through, um, through Hornsty. Um, you know, m- right now, so much of our lives are um, virtual, and I'm actually able to go in person to Gantt Academy mm-hmm. and do things. That has been a really great um, experience, and also lessons in leadership. Mm-hmm. Right? How does an institution that is operated as X open its doors and succeed, but now it's operating as Y? Right. Something that's fundamentally different, more than just a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. Um, another field work I have through Hornstein um, that I'm you know, engaged in is working at BU Hillel, the Hillel at Boston University. Um, there I do a whole variety of different things as well. Um, again, that is a part-time job, just like Gan Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, I help with the administration of the Shabbat programs, the holiday programs, the Jewish learning fellowships on campus, um, and also meet with lots of students. Um, my, my specific title is Jewish Life Intern, um, and I'm part of the rabbinic team. So everything from um, providing, you know, pastoral care and mentorship and one-on-one meetings with students to planning events and big programs and big ideas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really been a great time. Um, and I highly recommend any students who may listen to this, not only to go to your campus hill, but if you're at BU, come on over to, uh, yeah. to uh, you know, hello. Well, let alone any campus. If you're on any campus and you're listening to this, Get involved. Go to your Hillel. Go to your Hillel, even if you're Jewish or not. It's a great learning experience. I have a lot of friends that aren't Jewish that come to Hillel events and love it because they get to learn about others. And if you, you know, love me and love your other Jewish friends, you want to know more about their religion and their culture. So, yeah. 
And I hear that Hillel usually has free food. Is that correct? You are so right. You are so correct. Go there for the food. Yes. You hear? F O O D. Food. Um, is that it for your your jobs? Your current? No, I'm doing more actually. Thank you for the questions. So I that was two jobs Mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. Um, my next job is I work for Hornstein. Um, for the program I I, uh, study at, um, as a recruitment and alumni engagement staff member. You know, associate, intern, whatever you want to call me. Um, and in that operation, I help recruit our next class of students. Uh, so talk with a lot of prospective students who are kind of similar interests as mine, maybe a year or two younger than me, or maybe even my age right now, and just come to grad school a little bit later than I did. And really help them understand if, you know, is Hornstein the right program for them? Which of our many different dual degree paths, one of four that is, which one of the four could they choose and go on and be a part of our community? Um, that's a really great, really, really great time um and also recently i founded a uh, non-profit social venture in boston called juber um long story here but in short juber um you know unites volunteers community organizations and our partners um to bring food shabbat meals throughout the boston area to frontline heroes low-income homebound uh seniors and also Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on a you know mission right now to really fill the needs of our community. Um, and what is a really a Jewish response to COVID nineteen? Um, check us out online at juberboston.org. org. Nice. Wow. Seems like you've done that elevator pitch before. And donate to their latest STEM initiative. Yes, our donations are you know how we um, how we make such great impact in our community. Every single dollar that's donated to Juber goes directly to our impact, directly to the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. Not one dollar is spent on overhead. We are all volunteers. We all volunteer our time. None of us get paid for this. I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. I was sitting around in April of this past year, this year, right? A number of months ago. I said to myself, why am I sitting around at my desk watching Netflix when I can go out and serve the moment? Bam. And I went out with my you know, co-grad students, two others, and we serve the moment and we really built up this thing. Um, we've delivered thousands of meals. Thousands of meals have come from us to, um, you know, to our community, both purchased and donated through our online platform. Um, I also live in this thing called a Moshe House, which is a young adult Jewish community, um, you know, throughout the world, out of um, people's private residencies. Um, so mine is out of, out of my apartment in the Boston area. Um, it's called Moisha House Kendall Square. Again, you can find us more information about us online. I mean, we run events and things for, um, you know, for the Jewish community, but you don't have to be just Jewish to come. Um, events and things out of our apartment, um, you know, that have Jewish themes, flavors, and uh, fun. And, you know, if you're ever in the Boston area, we invite you to come join us. But also, we're running lots of virtual events right now because of COVID. Um, so, again, check us out on Facebook or online. Incredible. And I think this just goes to show exactly what I was saying before of like, this is the kind of stuff that makes me look up to you and that like you lead with passion. Like a lot of people wouldn't take on, you know, practically five jobs if you're counting, you know, your education as a job at this point. Um, But because you're so passionate about all these things, you're more than willing to take it on and not only just take it on, but fully 
you know, engage in it and give it the best that you can. I once heard from a mentor that what you should do in life is marry your passion to your career. I was lucky enough to hear this as a 21-year-old. Right. At that point, I really changed my life path. I was at an intersection, right? That summer, I had an internship in security consulting. That's what I was doing my kind of academic work in as in as an undergrad. Um, and I really had a choice. Do I go in this kind of business route, make more money, be a security consultant, do a lot of research, do a lot of threat analyses, all these things I was doing as an undergraduate student, or to take this path into Jewish professional leadership? Something that was my passion. And what did I decide? Passion. To marry my passion to my career. Alas, here I am today. You are. And that's that on that with Emma Lux. And that is that on that, my friends. A lot of Simon's friends and a lot of our family, it's sort of like an ongoing sort of joke that, you know, Simon's always going, going, going. You know, you're lucky if you get him when he's free because even this is a prime example. I had to find like exactly an hour where Simon was free where he could do this. Um, And so I feel like naturally everybody just thinks that you must, you know, be dead by the end of the day or that you need like at least a day off a week or all these things and actually what we talked about the other day is that like you feel like you don't you feel like society is telling you that you need to be tired and that you need to be exhausted but in reality like you're just as fueled as ever thank you thank you for this question um few things first of all we are blessed to have Yom Shabbat, mm-hmm. to have Shabbat, which in Judaism is the day of rest on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I really take my, my Saturday, my Shabbat to rest. Mm-hmm. I sleep, I relax, I, you know, I'm horizontal for many more hours than I am the other days of the week. <laughs> um, and that helps. That really, really helps. We all need time to, you know, charge up our batteries um, and, you know, reset our clocks mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and really go forward. And I would, I would you know, I would um, suggest that to everyone. While, yes, I keep myself busy, um, I use time to myself to recharge, mm-hmm. to be myself, to, you know, invest in myself. Um, you know, it's important for my physical and for my mental health. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tell my professors and my parents and all these people, I still get eight hours of sleep a night and that's pretty dang good. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and time management is one of the most important things uh, for us to learn in life. Um, you know, I really learned that in college, uh, being able to kind of map out my week, how am I going to spend my days, all of that. Um, being able to do that as a, as a young adult and as a young professional is also equally important. With that inspirational last answer, we are going to wrap up that section and move into some speed round questions. Are you oh, ready? Oh, speed, speed, speed. Speedy, speedy, speedy. So our first question is from your roommate, best friend, Joey Barr. Ah, he Joey Barr. asks, what is the biggest difference between living in Boston and Cambridge? Well, Joey Barr, I know you're going to be listening to this podcast now because you asked this question. The biggest difference for me from living in Boston to living in Cambridge is living with you, Joey Barr. Oh, how sweet. That's it. Biggest and most important, may I add. Bam. Next question um, is from a friend of mine, Brayden Goodale. He asks, um, Simon, what is your favorite volleyball memory? Wow. For the viewers, um, Simone played volleyball throughout high school, as did I. So he hasn't played volleyball, in a, in, or at least in a competitive sense, in quite a while. So this will be a blast for That's the That's a great question. Volleyball was really, really, really a true highlight of my high school experience. The greatest memory was probably winning that division championship my junior year. You know, being able to 
play with the volleyball team who are really, really, really a, just a great group of guys um, going out there and competing and having fun, which is a really key component of it. Um, was you know overall really great and you know knowing that the you know the program built up even more so after my time they went on to win a state championship mm-hmm. um you know and uh you know while i was not on the team and i cannot take credit for that state championship i mean, you was were able a to part play. of the building blocks to get for there. sure i mean i you know again don't want to take too much credit but i was able to play with some of those guys um when they were underclassmen i was a senior um you know i think really teaching the culture of the program just like you know when i was underclassmen the in the culture of the program was taught to me as well um and it was great you know i highly recommend volleyball to uh, anyone anyone and everyone that wants to play yeah Phoebs. one last question are you ready for this this last question is from your friend avi and he asks is it hard being the uglier twin avi you're beautiful Um. see avi and i know each other from camp from camp rama growing up and you know uh, avi's a really really beautiful guy um you know I would never say anything mean about the appearance of any of my friends. Um, and for Avi to say about me is just... Um, Makes him less beautiful. I'm, I'm questioning it. Uh, Avi just got a dog the other day. Really? Um, you know, I, I messaged Avi and I said, wow, it's a really cute dog. Um, you and know, and he, I would never say anything about this dog not being And he repays you with this. Quite, what's interesting about this is I'm not really into dogs. But right. my kindness came through because I wanted to tell him that I thought his dog was cute. Right. And I knew it was an important moment for him. To answer your question, um, Avi, I'm beautiful, okay? I'm so beautiful that I give beauty and fashion advice to my brother, Ethan. My brother, Ethan, yeah. changed his appearance. You are so right. His glasses, his hair, mm-hmm. all of this to better resemble the beauty of his twin. <laughs> so, Avi, well, let's put a... Heck of a long time since I've seen you last. Bizrat Hashem, God willing, we are going to be together soon. Yes. And, um, you know, we'll see who's more beautiful then. Ooh, take that, Avi. <laughs> Love you, Avi. All right. Well, with that, that is our last question for this episode. Nothing else? Nothing else. That's all we've got. Emma, this has been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank just... you for having me on that, that, on that with Emma Lux. Thank you for being here, Sima. <laughs> really, really great. I can't wait to hear the final product. Um, really honored that I was able to, to to come on tonight. I even have a few minutes before my next um, commitment, um, and I'm just you know again eternally blessed that I'm able to spend this time with you. I thank you. <laughs> You're hijacking my outro, but thank you. I appreciate you coming. Um, this has been an awesome discussion. Um, I can't wait for people to hear it. I think it's going to be a really awesome episode. And yeah, um, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and follow us on whatever form of media you are listening to us from, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it may be. Um, Also, make sure to give us a review and all that good stuff. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at That's That On That with Emma Lux. Oh, and follow Simon on Instagram, too, while you're at it. And Juber and all these fabulous things. All right. Thank you again, Simone. And that's all that, folks. We will see you next week. Bye.